warm welcome to our podcast, Pathways to Germany. My name is Brian Treneman. I am the director of the DAAD Information Center in Malaysia. And with me, like every week, is Itzai Didros, our senior consultant, who is an alumnus and studied in Germany in the beautiful state of Baden-Württemberg at the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg, where you it's studied process and environmental engineering. It's how are you today? I'm doing well, very well, Brian. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, yeah, I just had my lunch and I feel quite, <laughs> quite stuffed and uh, we cook for ourselves. I had lovely steaks, so that's... Uh, it's always a good time actually together. Uh, yeah. Sudan already? How about yourself? Uh, Sudan Makan, Brian. I had a, as typical for many Malaysians, I had nasi lemak with uh, butter chicken. So it's a good oh. thing I'm going for my health check tomorrow. <laughs> the good fattening food. I thought nasi lemak <laughs> was something that, that was uh, specifically only eaten by students uh, who were on a budget. Oh, no, no, nasi lemak. I mean, with butter chicken, you add, easily add on five more ringgit and it becomes a luxurious uh, meal. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes, yes. Just the add-ons and that makes it actually a very nutritious uh, meal for you, yeah? Uh, I wouldn't say nutritious, but expensive. <laughs> <laughs> expensive and delicious, yeah. When it comes to food, actually, the, mo the, the most important objective is uh, that it's delicious, correct? Very true. <laughs> okay, um, maybe um, uh, you could tell our um, new listeners uh, who are uh, just discovered, maybe who just discovered our podcast, uh, who, what the DAD is and why we're doing our podcast here for them. Okay, yes. Uh, so we are the DAAD, that is the Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst. Uh, basically, in English, it is the German Academic Exchange Service. And our main job is really just to provide as much free, unbiased information about uh, your further studies in Germany as possible. So we are sponsored by the uh, German Ministry of Education. And uh, yeah, we've been in Malaysia now for over 20 years. Isn't that right, Brian? I think so. That's correct. Yes, more than 20 years. And um, yeah, it's been an exciting time. Uh, Malaysia is a very important uh, country. Also for the DAD, we have uh, many um, W-degree programs established by now. More than 100 corporations between Malaysian and German universities. If you would like to know more about these uh, specific corporations, you can always come to our website and check out. We have a, um, a nice map uh, where all the uh, corporations are listed, especially the W-degree programs uh, for you to check out. Uh, maybe um, one or two words about the DAD, what the DAD is in particular? Oh, yes. Uh, so the DAAD, we are pretty much the largest funding body uh, in the world uh, when it comes to scholarships and grants. Um, so we have something like half a billion euros, which is given out yearly uh, mm. to potential students and also to researchers and uh, postgraduate studies as well. And um, our main job really is just to foster that uh, exchange of ideas and also the exchange of education between the different countries worldwide. Uh, so we're based here in Malaysia. The closest one next to us after that will be Singapore. Then there's Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand. So really, uh, even in this uh, small region of Southeast Asia, there's already quite a number of DAED offices. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, all of us pretty much do the same thing. We all help uh, to promote higher education in Germany. Exactly, yes. And, and we promote uh, basically uh, two products, so to say. One is study in Germany. The other one is research in Germany. So it doesn't really matter whether you're interested technically to uh, get your first degree in Germany or whether you want to continue your um, um, uh, tertiary education in, in Germany. Uh, the DAD, um, our information center, we have you covered uh, and you can book um, an, 
appointment with us uh, or participate in one of our numerous um, uh, information um, sessions that we do, particularly for, for those interested in bachelor, uh, in master's or PhD or postdoc um, um, stays in Germany. Okay, good. So our concept usually is um, that we will start with um, our personal experiences, or better, uh, it's your personal experiences, since you are an alumnus in, in Germany. Then we move on to our main topic, which uh, today um, is going to be uh, doing your master's in Germany. And we conclude our podcast uh, with our um, favorite section, which is uh, Truth or uh, Faults, uh, where we challenge each other. Um, make statements and see whether uh, the other person gets it right, whether it's true or false. Um, let's talk now about your personal experience. Um, so in previous episodes, if you're interested uh, to um, listen to them as well, we talked about actually we, we cover all kinds of topics uh, uh, which are important for any student who's going to Germany for the first time, like um, how about the food, how about the accommodation, how to find um, friends in uh, in Germany and so forth. And today we want to talk about actually um, um, how to uh, stay mobile in, in Germany. So once you arrive and uh, you want to get around, um, how do you organize yourself in, in terms of staying mobile? What was your experience? It's well, my experience in Germany, like many other Malaysian students, is uh, the moment they get over to Germany, you know, everybody's eyes opens up uh, whenever they think of the Autobahn. Mm -hmm. uh, so for many of my other Malaysian colleagues from uh, JPA, they would, uh, I think even in the first semester in Germany, they already rented a car and they would travel around. Uh, so traveling around, especially on the autobahn, driving, having that freedom was something that many Malaysian students were really looking forward to. Mm. Uh, so throughout the whole time that we were doing A-levels, people kept on talking, oh, I'm going to drive off to Monaco, I'm going to drive to the Nuremberg Ring and all of those things. Uh, so mobility is a huge, huge topic amongst uh, Malaysian students. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that people really need to know here is uh, when it comes to the driver's license, how, how that works uh, for Germany. Um, so Malaysia, uh, if you have a Malaysian driver's license, uh, it's normally only valid for the first six months in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, so for the first six months that you live there, meaning that um, let's say you come back home to Malaysia for a short holiday, maybe like three months, and then you continue your semesters after that. It doesn't reset that six months. It means that from the f moment that you start staying in Germany, you have six months to use your Malaysian driver's license in Germany. Mm. Yeah. Um, but and then afterwards, what, what do you need to do afterwards, <laughs> after six months? After six months, you walk around everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but since you already experienced the, the German Autobahn, which uh, we can also discuss a little bit further later on, um, uh, and you want to continue uh, renting cars and, and going crazy on, on German Autobahns, uh, so motorways, uh, what exactly can you do? Okay, so if you want to continue driving in Germany after those six months, you will actually need a German driver's license. Mm -hmm. And the German, German driver's license, they take it very, very seriously. This isn't something, it's not like here in Malaysia, you know, you go for like a few hours on the road and then you sit for the a few, you sit for your practical examination. In Germany, you have quite a number of hours that you have to do. And the driving instructor will only allow you to sit for the examination once he feels that, uh, once he feels that you are okay with the exam. Mm. Yeah. And 
even though you are an experienced driver from Malaysia and you already uh, adjusted your um, your ways around in Germany actually for six months, um, still uh, your your driving instructor will be looking carefully actually whether you are ready for for uh, going for for the final test. Yeah? Oh yes, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think for myself, uh, so I had my dri Malaysian driver's license. I got it when I was seventeen. Mm -hmm. uh, then went off to Germany and. Um, it was when I had to start working. So after I was done mm -hmm. studying and I continued working in Germany, uh, I stayed with uh, my ex-wife back then. So we, mm -hmm. we were living quite far away from my uh, from my workplace. It was about half an hour by car. Mm -hmm. And if I took uh, public transport and you know bicycles and everything, it would have taken close to an hour to get to the office. So it was it was a huge necessity to actually get the German driver's license. Mm -hmm. um, so even with uh, all those years of experience, you know, with the Malaysian driver's license, uh, my driving instructor in Germany was still, uh, he, he was quite particular about how I, dro mm -hmm. how I drove. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's uh, one aspect of, of intercultural competence that you build very fast, actually, when, when it comes to traffic in, um, in Germany. What would you say are the most... Uh, outstanding uh, differences between uh, Malaysia traveling on the road and 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 Germany okay I would say that Germans are very very civilized on the road uh, yeah. it's very rare to have somebody actually honk you and you know wave any uh, particular fingers while you're driving <laughs> or something <Okay. laughs> uh, because in Germany it's uh you can actually um, you can actually get them not well not arrested but you can um, what's the word um, get fined yeah, you can get fined if you uh, if you uh, you know give any hand gestures to people on the road. Okay. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. And it's something that which they really hammer in during the driving lesson as well. You know, mm -hmm. don't lose your cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and because the majority of people there do actually follow the rules, mm -hmm. and because it's so difficult to get your driver's license in Germany in the first place, mm -hmm. um, you're expected the moment that you get your driver's license that you know the rules, you know how to drive properly, you know the etiquette. Uh, so it's very rare that, you know, a major accident will happen or it's very rare that you'll come across uh, a completely idiot driver on the road. Mm -hmm. It does happen, though. And <laughs> when it yeah, does happen. It, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. on the Autobahn, if, if you're going really fast and then an accident happens, then it's going to be uh, catastrophic. Uh, but you're absolutely right, actually. Um, adhering to, to the rules and regulations is important in Germany. And um, if you're so foolish not to do it, uh, what could happen to you? Oh, uh, you can, there are a few rules actually. Um, you can actually get your driver's license taken away from you. Mm -hmm. uh, so they do have the point system in Germany. I think you can get a maximum of 12 points, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know the current rules at the moment. I, yeah. I have to admit, we need to look it up once again, but maybe 12 points, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, those points, uh, there are some uh, rules where if you break it, you immediately get five points deducted. Mm -hmm. So it only leaves you with the seven left. Um mm. And um, there's also rules where if you're drunk on the road, um, mm. which is a huge, huge deal. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you get caught and you're drunk, you can actually get your driver's license taken away from you. Immediately, and, um, exactly. Um, when that happens is uh, after three months, you will also have to go off for this uh, particular course. Uh, so it's like a psychological evaluation as to why you were driving drunk. 
and it's uh, it's very critical. And uh, many Germans hate going for that thing because I think they also call it sort of like an idiot exam. Exactly. The Orton test in German, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, a Bodo test. Yes, absolutely correct. And uh, it's it's uh, it can be quite quite hard uh, to, to pass it because you'll have a um, psychologist taking you for interview and really checking actually... Um, whether you understood that you made a mistake and um, how likely it is that you're going to repeat this this mistake again. This is not only for alcohol, but also for reckless driving. Um, so if you are um, uh, lost your driving license because of speeding, um, they really want to make sure actually that uh, you are not in this category of reckless drivers who don't really care about any other um, participants in the traffic and uh, you do not pose a threat uh, to anyone else in, in traffic. So yeah, it's it's quite uh, a tough interview that you need to survive in order to get your driving license uh, back. But um, this is only uh, for me from um, hearsay. I never had to take this test, but uh, everything I know about this is what I'm, what I'm repeating here. Okay. Oh yes, that's very true. <laughs> and then uh, also to the driver's license in Germany, mm-hmm. um, they, they test you on all different types of terrain which mm-hmm. is really good and the best time to actually do your german driver's license uh, or the the classes is uh, during winter time mm-hmm. because then you get the additional benefit of actually driving with the instructor uh, perhaps while it's snowing or when there's ice on the road mm-hmm. and they will really teach you uh, how to uh, control the car during those uh, circumstances oh, okay okay yeah which yeah. is very useful for malaysian then eventually when you come back <laughs> home you've you've built up so much expertise huh, that you can <laughs> that you can never use again once you're in malaysia but is there anything else actually that that you learned um in in germany while you're doing your, your driving license uh, that you still apply here in malaysia Oh, yeah, something which they call Schulterblick, mm-hmm. uh, which okay. is not taught here in Malaysia, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Schulterblick is uh, basically, um, it's called a, a, like a shoulder glance. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that you do when you want to overtake cars or when you want to change lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just want to double check on your blind spot and make sure there's no motorbike or there's no bicycle riding right beside you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that blind spot can be, can be quite deadly at times, uh, especially if you're at a roundabout and then you suddenly mm-hmm. turn in mm-hmm. and suddenly there's a bicyclist there. Oh, that's uh, that's a horrible experience to go through. Yeah. Um, so, and here in Malaysia, you know, with all the motorbikes whizzing around you at all times, uh, it's good to do the Schulterblick and just double check, make sure nobody's in your blind spot, and then mm. you can uh, drive and change lanes. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, uh, I, I have a personal experience where well, I took down a, a motorcyclist who was trying to overtake me on the left side, so uh, between oh. my car and, and the curb. And I tried to um, avoid, uh, not a pothole, but um, um, once again, actually, there, there was previously the um, uh, the, the road was uh, refurbished, redone. And of course, uh, the manholes are not uh, leveled up again uh, to to, the, to make it flush with the road. So you always have uh, where the manholes are actually on the roads, uh, they are two, three centimeters deeper for some reason I really didn't know. So I tried to avoid it, uh, sway to the left, and there was this motorcyclist who tried to to overtake me. So I took him down, uh, unfortunately, and uh, I was very sorry. Even actually, um, I think, yeah, according to the rules, he was not supposed to be actually there in, in mm. this particular moment, but uh, what to do. So I took him to the hospital and made sure that uh, uh, he was all safe and he had a couple of bruises, and I also gave some money actually directly to him for for his motorcycle because i felt really really guilty for for uh, doing this uh, not doing my shoulder glance actually to make sure that there's yeah what to do yeah Yeah. did you did you have any experience actually in in germany with the police any uh, incident 
Uh, no, uh, thankfully not. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, I actually consider myself to be quite a good driver, to be honest. <laughs> actually, every uh, driver does. <laughs> <laughs> Even Until something happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, they, they, they've conducted actually a, um, a survey and uh, also went to um, in real-time accidents and uh, asked the driver also who was responsible for the accident uh, on a scale from 1 to 10. Um, how good would you rate your own driving skills? And uh, was predominantly actually positive about themselves even <laughs> directly after an accident. So we all have this uh, this self-perception that we are the best drivers actually on the road, but then all the rest are the idiots who are not uh, following the rules and are not as smoo- smoothly driving through traffic as, as we are. I guess, I don't know about you. Yeah. But and uh, speaking of self-perception, actually, mm-hmm. uh, do you know why people always get so angry when uh, or why they always get road rage whenever um, cars are too close or to them? I, I, I suppose it has got something to do actually with the feeling of territory. So you are in your capsule and mm-hmm. uh, you don't want people to, to move into your territory. And it's basically the same like like uh, with, with your own body. So the um, I'm, I'm supposing now. Um, and uh, You're uh, right. You're or, completely right so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So it's the same like uh, when, when you enter um, an elevator, you also don't want other people to come too close to you. And the elevator is a typical situation where this happens, right? So we all have our, our boundaries. And uh, so we don't want other cars actually to uh, to come too close, actually, because uh, it's uh, getting too intimate, I'd say. Yep, that's completely correct. Yeah, mm. uh, you don't want people in your territory. And uh. Uh, I think it came up in a documentary in Germany one time. Uh, oh, they were explaining road rage and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of yeah. course, road rage, because you're in your capsule and nobody can hear you. So there's no filter of another person. Uh, that you would um, insult face to face, of course, that makes it much easier. It's the same, basically, uh, with the, I reckon with the outrage on actually on the internet. You don't see the oh, other yes. other person that you uh, that you insult, so uh, you um, you can be actually much more blunt, or you tend to be much more blunt. And I reckon it's the same uh, also with uh, when you when you're driving around. Yeah, yeah, that's hundred percent true. So, what was your experience on the on the on the German autobahn? Did you push it to the limits and drove uh, 250, 260 kilometers per hour? <laughs> I think the fastest I've gone was uh, two fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was with uh, Renault Megane. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a company car back then. Okay. And uh, I was going off to one of the. Uh, I was expecting a site or something like that where I knew one of our new machines was going on. Yeah. Uh, so I took it and I just put it up there, and then uh, you turn on cruise control and you just let it go. And uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm quite surprised to hear that a Renault Megane would go this fast. Actually, usually this is. Uh, uh, yeah, but but uh, yeah, it's it's true. Modern cars actually they they can all easily reach this this kind of of speed. So previously, it was something uh, that was the privilege of uh, maybe Mercedes or BMW or any other sports cars. Uh, but nowadays, actually, all the cars are, have got the potential to go that fast, aren't they? Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it was uh, on the autobahn. It was uh, from Offenburg all the way going up to no, going to the west of Germany, so mm-hmm. to the east. Sorry. No. Yes, to the east towards uh, Würzburg. And it was uh, just going down this slight uh, declination and uh, Mm -hmm. I managed to hit that speed. And then 
after that, you're like, oh, there's no point of going this fast. And then you just reduce it back down again. <laughs> but if you, if you take a rental in Germany, actually, they make sure that you can't go faster than 250. Um, uh, the, uh, the engine is capped um, and uh, you, you cannot, cannot exceed 250 kilometers per hour. They make sure uh, about that. But um, from my personal experience, I think 250 is, is more than enough. <laughs> um, but did you feel safe actually traveling this uh, fast on, on the German motorway? the autobahn oh i felt very safe okay. it was uh mm -hmm. i mean the roads there are smooth mm -hmm. and uh one of the things which i noticed uh, was because i was staying so close to france uh not to knock mm -hmm. on the french but <laughs> the moment you cross the border into france you can actually feel the difference on in your car mm -hmm. and you can actually feel the road get a little bit noisier a little bit bumpier <laughs> it's not as well maintained <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can also have a different experience actually when you go to Scandinavia, especially to Norway. Um, uh, I, I saw that actually here in Malaysia in, in certain spots they, they um, introduced uh, this new um, um, type of tarmac actually they, they apply on the roads uh, which make it very, very um, silent. Um, and you always hear the contrast, right? Uh, uh, for a short stretch, it's it's quite uh, pleasant. And then you go to the regular um, tarmac and it becomes quite noisy again. And apparently in Norway, because it's a very rich uh, country, um, uh, they, they applied uh, this very quiet tarmac to almost all of their roads. So coming back from, from this country, apparently, which is what my friend told me, is then uh, uh, becoming a very noisy experience when you, when you come back actually to, to Germany and you say, my goodness, the tarmac that we're having is, is not silent at all. It's, it's roaring <laughs> continuously. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, and, fantastic. Uh, one last thing about mm -hmm. the German driver's license. Yes. Um, why many Germans are very protective of it and why they don't want to lose it is because mm -hmm. it does cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, so just going for all of your classes and all the hours with the driving instructor, mm -hmm. uh, I think it cost me about a thousand eight hundred euros. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, if you're an engineer, that's uh, probably you know you can afford it. But if you are a student who is just getting their first car and mm -hmm. getting their driver's license, that's a lot of money. So a thousand eight to two thousand euros, uh, that's about uh, ten thousand ringgit. So yeah. just to make it clear. You do not want to lose that driver's license. Mm. And another peculiarity about uh, Germans and the driving license, uh, when it's taken away from you, Germans also tend to absolutely respect that they can't drive your, uh, the, their cars anymore uh, when they don't have the driving license. And uh, James May has got a beautiful <laughs> bit on this one, actually, where he's sitting together with a German guy and a Canadian guy, I think it was. And and uh, so the Canadian guy asks you, so, okay, you, you've got your driving license uh, taken away. But sometimes, don't you feel the urge to to uh, to just drive your car and just ignore this rule? No, you cannot because your driving license has been taken away. You cannot drive and it goes on like this. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, it's it's impossible actually for a German to to picture yourself taking your car uh, when you don't have a driving license. Impossible. These two things don't get to come together. <laughs> yes, that's very true. I remember that. I, it's on YouTube as well. You can yeah, find it. It's yeah. probably one of the best skits I've yeah, seen. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Fantastic. Okay, let's move on. Um, come to our first um, segment, uh, why we're also here, um, uh, talking about uh, tertiary education in, in Germany. And our topic for today is uh, doing your master's in Germany. Um, it's your co continuously conducting info sessions for those who are interested uh, to do, um, uh, who want to do their master's in Germany. So what do you tell um, anyone who's interested uh, to, to pursue um, a degree, uh, a master's degree in Germany? 
I would tell them it's probably one of the best places that you can go nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Germany for the past few years now, I think for the past uh, 10 to 15 years, they've been really expanding the number of courses which are being offered in English as well. Mm -hmm. And especially for their master programs, they have quite a number of master programs being conducted in English nowadays. Mm -hmm. So they're really trying to attract as many international students as possible to come off to Germany, you know, do your postgraduate studies and uh, hopefully even stay on in Germany after you're done studying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, it's now no longer compulsory to know the German language in order to study in Germany. Mm. Uh, you would just need your IELTS or your TOEFL. And uh, as long as you can prove that um, your English is of a high level, uh, then it shouldn't be too difficult to actually find a spot at a German university to complete your master's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. And um, predominantly, um, you still find uh, uh, most of these uh, master courses um, still free of um, any durations, um, but um, there's also um, a, quite a number of um, uh, master courses uh, which have uh, tuition fees. Um, uh, what, what would be the best uh, website actually to find out uh, what kind of master courses are available um, um, and uh, do some research actually on all the um, study opportunities that you that you have? Okay, uh, well, we, the best website which I always advise uh, students to go off to is uh, daad.de slash IDP. So IDP mm-hmm. is uh, India, Denmark, Pakistan. Um, and that uh, the IDP stands for the International Degree Programs in mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very straightforward, very simple website to use. It's, uh, it's a search engine, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moment you type in what you want to study and also uh, what language you want the, the course to be in, and uh, you can even select if you want courses with or without tuition fees, mm. it will then actually show you the different courses available for you to choose from. Yes. And the beauty of doing your master's in Germany is not only that you can find uh, numerous courses offered in the English language, so where the, um, the language is not a barrier anymore, uh, but we also have funding opportunities. And um, one uh, beautiful um, scholarship scheme uh, that the DAD um, has uh, um, is providing continuously is called EPOS. And um, I just downloaded uh, prior to this recording uh, the new list of um, um, of courses available, um, and EPOS um, stands for Development Related uh, Postgraduate Courses, um, and in this list you will find uh, thirty five master courses and three PhD courses um, available, and um, it addresses uh, um, quite a range of um, of um, study fields. For instance, uh, you will find. Um, three master courses in economic sciences, business administration, or political um, econo- um, economics. Uh, for engineering, there are much more, which is, I think it's around 10 or 12, something like this. Uh, you will find study courses, uh, master courses for regional and urban planning, agriculture and uh, forest sciences, natural and environmental sciences, and medicine, public health, social sciences, education and law, and even media studies. So, um, But all these um, study courses, they are related um, to uh, the topic of um, sustainab- uh, sustainability. And um, in this list, you will find various universities um, who um, have um, applied to be part of this list where they offer these uh, particular programs. So you need to apply uh, to these universities, to this um, 
to this particular master or PhD program, and then you can apply also for this um, uh, for this uh, scholarship uh, called EPOS. And uh, the only um, requirement is that you already have two years professional experience, um, and uh, there's it's limited to um, um, uh, a certain. Um, a list of countries, but uh, good news is actually Malaysia is on this list, so EPOS is available uh, for um, uh, to to any Malaysian is is available actually to apply for this particular um, scholarship scheme. And the duration of the funding is twelve to forty two months, depending on on the, uh, the duration of the study program, and uh, also depending on your academic level, um, you receive a monthly payment of eight hundred and sixty one euros. This is um, the minimum amount we already talked about uh, that you also need to provide as a free mover if you go to Germany uh, for um, receiving your uh, your visa. Um, and for graduates, 1,200 euros uh, for doctoral candidates. And um, in addition to this, you also get uh, payments towards health accident and personal liability insurance and also the travel allowance unless these expenses are covered by the home country or another source of funding. So it's a great opportunity, actually, um, to do your master's in Germany. If uh, any of these uh, study courses, uh, which I briefly introduced just now, is uh, in your um, in interest. So um, we would like to encourage you, actually, to check out this, uh, um, this particular funding program and uh, all the um, opportunities uh, you receive from the various universities in Germany. Um, yes. It's any other funding opportunities? Uh, yes, from the DAD uh, themselves, we actually have uh, three other uh, master scholarships available for Malaysians. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one is actually called the Helmut Schmidt Helmut Schmidt Program. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the Master Scholarship for Public Policy and Good Governance, or mm -hmm. the PPGG Scholarship. Um, and uh, it's actually it's it's quite a very good it's a very good uh, scholarship for mm -hmm. um, people who wish to go into public policy and good mm -hmm. governance later on. And uh, there are something like five different universities to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the most important things for you to note is uh, that it is a, it does cover you for your duration of your studies. So normally it's about one and a half to two years. And in addition to that, they give you about 861 euros per month. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, a pretty good amount to cover yourself. And I think that's also the amount which is expected um, from the German government when you apply for your student visa. Mm -hmm. uh, the second scholarship to actually go for is uh, in the field of architecture. Uh, so this scholarship is also open for master's students. And for this one, it's pretty much open to any university offering uh, architecture for their master's uh, course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you also get the 861 euros. There's also a travel allowance uh, in there as well. Uh, and it covers you for your duration of studies in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, and lastly, the last uh, scholarship that we have is in the field of arts, film and music. Uh, mm -hmm. So that one is a little bit more diverse. And you do have... Um, it's more or less the same type of thing. So it's a uh, fine art, design, visual communication, and film. There we go. Mm. Uh, so let me double check. It uh, does cover you between 10 to 24 months, depending on the course that you choose from. Mm -hmm. And uh, for all of these courses, your last highest educational uh, degree, so basically your bachelor's degree, should not be more than six years old. Mm. Uh, that's mm -hmm. probably the most important thing for you to note. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, fantastic. So um, as you can see, uh, we have um, plenty of uh, funding opportunities already available um, offered by the DAD. Um, and if you would like to know more about uh, these um, funding opportunities out there, or if you'd like to know more about, um, um, uh, get more information about doing your master's in Germany in general, um, please feel free actually to book uh, one of our info sessions specifically for masters. And in addition to this, you can always uh, come to our website and book a uh, book a one-on-one -on -one consultation session uh, with us um, at any uh, given time. And uh, we make sure that... Uh, um, uh, very soon after you book it, uh, you'll get an appointment with us. Uh, at the moment, everything is, of course, uh, via Zoom, but that makes it also um, even uh, more convenient for all of us. We don't need to travel and uh, we can uh, set up uh, these one-on-one -on -one consultations quite easily and, and uh, very yeah. fast after you fill out the, the online form um, to book an appointment with us. Very true, yes. Mm -hmm. Good, yes, okay. With this, we will come to our next segment, which is our fun segment, fun facts about Germany, true or false. We will challenge each other and see whether we can fool the other person and, and uh, we try to get as many points as possible. Three are out there for us. The last time, I, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we had a, we had a beautiful draw. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're both getting better and better, trying to, to get more devious in, in fooling each other. Uh, let's see how it goes today. Uh, would you like to make a start or do you want me to, to go first today? Uh, I'll go first today. Okay. 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 Uh, so Germany is very well known for all of their beautiful, beautiful uh, hills and forests and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, uh, living in the Black Forest, uh, I used to go hiking quite a fair bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so Germany, roughly how many hiking how many kilometers of hiking trails does germany have is it 150000 is it 200000 or is it 250000 kilometers of hiking trails oh my goodness what a good question fantastic so in our last episode we already um uh, had one question which refers actually to the amount of forests uh, which uh, are covering germany which is one third so there are a lot of uh, also hiking trails in in germany i know it's, it has got a long tradition so is it 150000 kilometers 200 or 250000 kilometers i have no idea and i will go for it could be anything, basically. <laughs> I will go uh, for 150,000 uh, kilometers. It's actually over 200,000 kilometers. Oh, seriously? So roughly, yes. Okay, okay. And it's quite beautiful because uh, mm -hmm. there was one time that it went off uh, on one of these hiking trails and it's mm -hmm. called the Jakobsweg. Mm -hmm. uh, so this uh, Jacob's Way is actually uh, this path that uh, I think one of the saints, or Saint Jacob, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. And he actually walked all around Europe from um, from somewhere in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, all the way off to Spain in Cordoba. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that whole way is called the Jacob's Way. Mm. And uh, the beautiful part about the, the pathway in Germany is that uh, you'll walk for maybe about, uh, you'll do maybe about three or four hours of hiking every single day. You know, you have all of your luggage and all of your backpacks with you. But uh, the special course in Germany, what they do is uh, they'll actually pick up all of your luggage for you. 
mm-hmm. and they'll deliver it to your next hotel. Mm, okay. So you don't have to carry anything. <laughs> so you're promoting at the moment the deluxe version of, of the yes. Jacob's uh, path. And, but of course, you can also do it entirely uh, by yourself and, and just carry the luggage uh, with you. Um, and it's a lot of people actually um, are taking this um, this hiking trail in order to um, um, let their um, thoughts roam freely during the um, the hiking and having a goal actually in their mind and um, to to further develop their their um, themselves and uh, to have actually a long period of uh, contemplation I'd say. Uh, what what I heard from from people who uh, took the Jacobs uh, Trail um, um, to learn something really about yourself and and uh, be only uh, with yourself during during that time. So that's uh, one of yeah one of the the beautiful mm-hmm. um, hiking trails. I don't know exactly where where it uh, it starts. I know it goes uh, through the state of Baden-Württemberg as well um, through uh, um, uh, Reut- Tübingen, Tübingen exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I when I visited uh, the beautiful city of Tübingen, I I received the, the information that uh, the Jakobs Trail goes go through the city as well. So there are a lot of uh, very scenic uh, um, cities and and landscapes actually to experience on the trail. Mm, nice. Oh yes, very true. And it's a beautiful pathway it. as well. It takes you through the Black Forest and everything, ah, and yeah. it's just yeah. a splendid time outside in nature. Yeah. yeah. How much hiking did you do while you were living in Germany? Uh, well. Um, can't really say. I mean, uh, I opened up my back door and it was already the Black Forest. <laughs> so I used to, every week and I just get out and I do, so, you know, just a few um, mm-hmm. few hours of hiking every yeah. weekend. Yeah. You know, except during winter. Winter was a bit too cold, but mm. uh, most of the time, like the moment hit spring, summer, a little bit of fall, mm-hmm. uh, just go outside for a short hike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is also something that uh, we always need to explain to to students uh, who learn that uh, shops are closed on Sunday and uh, and they're quite irritated. Malaysians asking, so what, what can you do on a Sunday if the shops are all closed? Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. You go into the nature and you go hiking. Uh, you take your bicycle. Um, or if you want to, you can rent a car and, and uh, just drive to another city and, and do some sightseeing, actually. Yeah, yeah very true. Fantastic. More than 250,000 kilometers. Yeah, more than 200,000, sorry. Oh, 200,000. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Sorry, it was answer B. Okay, here's my next one. It's also, uh, um, here's my uh, statement. It's also linked to geography. Um, which of the following countries, um, as you know, um, Germany has nine neighbors being uh, situated right in the center of, of Europe, um, the country with uh, the most neighbors actually in Europe. Um, but which of the following countries does, doesn't share a border with Germany? Is it the Netherlands? Is it Luxembourg? Is it Liechtenstein? Or is it the Czech Republic? We started up in the north and uh, went counterclockwise. And now I want to hear from you. Which country does not have a direct border with Germany? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I should know these actually. You should know, huh? <laughs> I know it's not Netherlands and I know it's not the Czech Republic. Okay. Now okay. it's between Liechtenstein and Luxembourg. Oh, you narrowed um, it down uh, very well. Yeah, those two. Um, I'm, uh, I think Liechtenstein, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, it's situated somewhere like between two or three other different countries. Um I'm going to say Liechtenstein. You're too smart to be fooled by me. Actually, fantastic. You're absolutely correct. Yes, Liechtenstein is um, 
between uh, Liechtenstein, uh, Liechtenstein and Germany, there's still um, uh, Austria. So uh, Liechtenstein is uh, um, uh, is within uh, Austria or between Austria and and, and Switzerland and uh, doesn't share a border with uh, Germany, even though they also speak uh, German down there, but with a ah. quite a strong. Dialect. I always thought Liechtenstein was on the west side of Germany. <laughs> no, 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 no. Luxembourg is Luxembourg is on the west side, and so then you have France uh, and further down Switzerland. Then Austria and uh, slightly south of uh, the west part of Austria, this is where uh, Liechtenstein is is located. Oh, okay, very interesting. Mm. Huh. Okay, and yes. um, by the way, Liechtenstein, if if you uh, want to um, uh, get the best salary in Europe, Liechtenstein is the place uh, to go. Uh, they even pay better salaries than in Switzerland next door. Uh, you can get very good salaries actually in Switzerland and. Uh, but Liechtenstein tops all the countries in in the whole of of Europe. Oh yes, that's very true, uh, mm-hmm. especially for Switzerland, like you were saying just now. Um, so what many of my colleagues used to do in Germany, uh, mm-hmm. since I was in the, was it in the southwest of Germany, bordering mm-hmm. France, Germany, and uh, Switzerland, uh, they say that they would, uh, how did they used to do it? They would live in Germany, mm-hmm. uh, do their grocery shopping in France, mm-hmm. but uh, work in Switzerland. Oh yeah, that's the best combination. <laughs> so you've you've got the reasonable prices of, of housing in in Germany, the best food you can think of coming from from uh, uh, France, and uh, the best salary uh, in in Europe, almost the best salary actually coming from Switzerland. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful region anyway. This is also where Lake Constance is. Um, if you live uh, anywhere in, the, in this region, you've got the mountains, you've got the beautiful uh, Lake Constance and a lot of history going on in this region. It's it's just a fantastic uh, region of Europe. Oh, very true. Yes. Okay. Your turn. Oh, my turn. Yes. Uh, okay. So uh, I was just doing some research on holidaying in Germany again, uh, mm-hmm. seeing as how it's coming towards <laughs> the end of summer there and it's so beautiful outside right now here in Malaysia. Um, so my mind wandered a little bit. Um mm-hmm. So when it comes to, uh, I'm pretty sure you know this, Brian, but Germany has many spa resorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also towards the southwest of, or towards the south of Germany, they also have all of those um, uh, thermal baths and everything. Mm-hmm. And so roughly how many spa resorts are there in Germany? Okay. Is, it, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. is it 200, 300, or 400 spa resorts in Germany? Spa resorts. Okay. Um, we, we're not talking about uh, small villages which have uh, um, special water quality and they are considered to be uh, um, a so-called cool art. Uh, you, you're talking about spa resorts, right? Yes, correct. Okay. 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 Um, learning from my previous mistake. <laughs> <I would say. laughs> uh, this time I'll go with the highest number. I go with 500 spa resorts. Uh, there's actually 200. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so all of these facts and figures, they are official facts and figures. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not making anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, officially released by the government, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, once uh, amongst the tourism sector there in Germany, spa resorts, uh, there's about 200 of them. Uh, of course, most of them are found in the south of Germany because mm-hmm. uh, of the high uh, thermal region which mm-hmm. they have down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the, the one city of Baden-Baden, which is very famous. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yes, there's about 200 of them and Mm -hmm. they go all around uh, from the Black Forest all the way across down to Munich and everything. And um, uh, 
one of the more famous ones is actually in Baden-Baden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was the Karakala, Karakala Bad, or mm-hmm. Bath. Um, so it's actually named after the, the former Roman emperor that, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was just about actually to, to highlight that many of these uh, uh, spa resorts have, have a long tradition um, um, leading back actually to, to the Roman times uh, because they, they, they had a very good uh, bathing culture uh, which they needed to, to teach the barbaric German tribes who had no idea what, what uh, good uh, bathing culture was all about in previous <laughs> times. <laughs> good, fantastic. Okay. Oh, so many good things actually you can do in Germany, huh? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay. So my next statement, uh, let's see about this. Um, yeah, we, we are approaching uh, the last uh, quarter of the year. Um, so my next statement is referring to this. Um, daylight saving time is a controversial topic all around the world. Um, but where does it come from? So my statement is daylight saving time was invented and implemented by the Nazi regime in 1936 to increase productivity during summertime in preparation for the war. So their idea was actually to um, save um, electricity uh, because it's uh, it's costly and by just um, shifting um, uh, the, the uh, one hour um, hat um, you can save a lot of electricity and uh, have some more daylight during the summertime and that was very important uh, for the Nazi regime, who knew, uh, which knew exactly that they wanted to go with war and must uh, had to make sure that uh, the full capacity of, of the German military industry was running uh, very efficiently in preparation for the Second World War to come. Oh, is it so is true it, is or it true false? False. I know that daylight savings time did come from Germany. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it started during the Nazi regime. I think it started earlier than that, um, mm-hmm. particularly for the farmers. I think they needed to get things done. But I also know that the Nazis, if I'm not mistaken, they re-implemented it uh, specifically for the reason which you just said. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I think it's false. And I think the reason why it's false is just it didn't start during the Nazi regime. Oh, you're absolutely correct. Um, you're you're correct. Yes, it didn't start actually uh, with the Nazi regime. It started much earlier. You're also correct that they uh, re-implemented uh, um, daylight saving time, um, but it did not originate in Germany. Uh, I think this oh. is an urban myth that a lot of Germans are thinking, uh, but uh, Germany is also quite annoyed by the uh, daylight saving time, but still we, we keep it up uh, until today. Um, so the origin goes back uh, to New Zealand. Uh, it was an uh, um, entomologist, uh, George Hudson, uh, with the name of George Hudson. He first proposed modern um, um, daylight saving time in 1895 already because um, his uh, shift work gave him a leisure time to collect insects and led him to value after hours daylight. And uh, then many publications uh, credit the daylight saving time proposal to prominent English builders and outdoorsman William Willett, who was also an avid golfer and who disliked cutting short his round uh, <laughs> at dusk. And uh, the first city um, implementing um, daylight saving time was not any city in Germany, but uh, Port Arthur, uh, Ontario in Canada. And uh, this was uh, followed by um, Aurelia, Ontario. Um, and in 1911 to 1912. And... Um, 
In Germany, um, daylight saving time was introduced in 1916, uh, also with uh, the uh, objective that I uh, mentioned previously, in order to save energy and thus costs in war production. And um, since uh, Germany was uh, um, uh, in conflict with Great Britain and France, they looked what Germany was doing and they also adopted uh, it shortly afterwards. And uh, after the First World War, uh, in, during the Weimar Republic, uh, it was uh, daylight saving time was was uh, revoked again, because uh, the Weimar Republic, as the first, uh, the second, uh, democratic attempt in Germany, they uh, uh, disliked everything that uh, was uh, had to do with the previous uh, regime. And uh, as you uh, assumed correctly, during the Second World War, Germany implemented daylight saving time again in 1940, hoping mm. to save some energy. Very interesting. And I think even up to today now, um, they still have a debate yes. in the EU whether or not they want to get rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think eventually they they um, they will get rid of it because uh, um, energy saving it, it really doesn't doesn't have the effects that everybody's hoping, and it uh, rather makes everyone confused. But uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite cute actually. Those who never traveled actually uh, far to the east or far to the west uh, are the ones actually complaining about having a jet lag uh, when when the clock is. Uh, um, adjusted to daylight saving time or afterwards. And they say, oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My goodness. Uh, you're very good today. Uh, it's it's 2-0 for you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so yeah. far so good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, all right. I think this one should be relatively easy for you, though. So who has ruled Germany longer? Angela Merkel or, Joach jo or Joachim Löw? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's easy. It's uh, definitely Angela Merkel. Um, she's uh, um, uh, uh, she um, is going to resign uh, this September when we have our general elections in in Germany, um, and but she will have been in power for sixteen years. And Joachim Löw, I think he started. When exactly did he start? I don't know, but it's definitely less than sixteen years. Yep. So as of today, um, so Joachim Löw, he went from the 12th of July, 2006, mm -hmm. all the way up until the 29th of June this year. Mm -hmm. um, so 29th of June was unfortunately also the year that Germany got kicked out of the e out of the Euros. Uh -huh. um, so he led Germany for 14 years, 11 oh months and 17 days. Mm -hmm. And and as for Merkel right now, she started on the 22nd of November 2005, mm -hmm. and she has been leading the country for 15 years, nine months, and 15 days. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so there was a poll done actually uh, asking Germans what they thought about Angela Merkel, and they said 67% um, would still want her to continue as chancellor, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. whereas 23% uh, have said, okay, let's try somebody else. Mm. Um, so. As you can see, most uh, Germans say they still like having her around. Yeah, she, she's really considered to be the mother of the nation. And um, I think she, she has been, uh, even though I'm not uh, the biggest uh, supporter of her party, uh, but uh, she personally has been uh, ruling um, the, the country uh, with a very, um, very steady and very rational uh, uh, mindset. And uh, I think that gave uh, a lot of Germans also 
um, even in, in turbulent times and times of crisis, um, a lot of confidence that uh, Germany is continuously still moving in the right direction. Even during this refugee crisis in uh, 2015, where uh, she received a lot of criticism um, mm. by and um, an entire uh, far right movement um, uh, received a lot of recognition and uh, a lot of people actually go, going uh, on the streets and uh, chanting. Uh, Merkel has to go. Angel, uh, Merkel muss weg was 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 their um, slogan, uh, but mm. still the majority, I think, as as you just pointed out, is um, still very much in favor of of um, her policies and also her legacy. Yep, that's very true. Mm, okay, good. Oh, I've got one right. Ah, oh, finally, finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my um, statement. Um, next one is. Uh, um, Johannes Gutenberg, as you know, um, has been uh, the inventor of uh, the modern printing press uh, in 1440. So um, he triggered a media revolution in Europe and afterwards uh, it became um, um, uh, texts and books uh, reprinted, became much more um, available for everyone and uh, it increased the literacy. And um, yeah, as I said, a media revolution because... Uh, um, uh, any kind of written uh, documents could be um, could be reproduced and copied uh, manifold, and uh, which made it very interesting actually to um, uh, for more people to uh, get to know how to read, uh, which was the privilege actually of uh, the monasteries, the, the monks, and some a few intellects actually also in, in the aristocracy. Um, so that was my uh, prologue. Um, and then um, afterwards, actually 220 years afterwards, uh, the first uh, magazine was invented in Germany in 1663. But my question now is, uh, what was the name of it? So I give you the German uh, title and then also the um, English um, translation and uh, what it was, um, uh, um, what the topic of each of these magazines was. So the, the first one, the title was Erbauliche Monatsunterredung, and the translation would be Edifying Monthly Discussions, and the topic was Literature and Philosophy. The second um, title, uh, possible title, uh, was Erhabene Monatsschrift, Noble Monthly Scripture, and it dealt with religion and morality, or was it number three, Ehrwürdiger Monatsblick, um, Reverend Monthly Gaze, and uh, the topic was gossip about aristocracy and uh, about royals, and therefore um, it was the foundation of the modern yellow press. Ooh. Do you want me to repeat it to you once again? Uh, no, I think I'm okay. This is all of them are quite good. Uh, <laughs> this one is probably the best question we've had. Um, I'm going to go with so this was in 18. When was it again? 1663. 1663. It's considered to be actually the um, the birth date of uh, the magazine. So until then, um, only books, uh, flyers, uh, and and books have been printed. But now um, you had a, um, a reoccurring um, a magazine actually that was that was monthly issued. I'm going to go with the last one that you said. I think Reverend Monthly Gaze gossiping about aristocracy, aristocracy and and royals sounds very tempting, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh my goodness, you are so 
incorrect this time. <laughs> I finally got you. <laughs> no, it was the first uh, first one. Erbauliche um, Monatsunterredung, uh, edifying monthly discussions, uh, dealing with uh, literature and uh, philosophy. And um, as I mentioned, this uh, the printing press by by uh, Johannes Gutenberg really triggered this this media revolution. So uh, so many people got really interested in in. Um, um, in uh, printed documents and uh, therefore also in literature, but there was no um, no paper actually uh, really talking about what kind of literature was available. So this is what mm. uh, um, was addressed in this monthly uh, magazine, Erbauliche Monatsunterredungen. Fantastic German title. <laughs> good. Very good, yeah. I thought it would have been gossip. I thought gossip. Yeah, would have gossip. Been... Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good, Brian. Thank you oh, so much for that. Okay. <laughs> it was interesting again. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're through, right? Uh, um, and, yep. And you won. Uh, you won this round. My goodness, I need to be. I need to be better the next time. Gee, but I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Thank I'm you so very, much, Brian. Yes, I'm pretty sure next time you'll you'll <laughs> definitely have something new to stop me with. Ah, let's see, let's see. Good. Okay. I think yeah. With this, we're we're through uh, um, for our uh, today's episode, uh, episode number ten. My goodness, we already did it very fast. And um, yes, maybe some some last remarks. What anyone who's interested in studying research uh, could do next uh, to find out more about it? Yes, well, you can always visit our website. So that's uh, daad-malaysia.org. Uh, and you can also book, as Brian said earlier in doing the podcast, you can also book a one-to-one -one, uh, session with us. Uh, so you just need to book an appointment and then you can uh, either talk to myself or my colleagues. And uh, lastly, you can also join us for our info sessions. Mm. Uh, so every month we do have uh, two info sessions for each uh, course. So for master's, for, so, sorry, for bachelor's, master's and for PhD, we do morning and afternoon info sessions. Uh, and they're all done virtual right now. So you can just uh, pop on in and uh, ask us any questions during those sessions as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also need to mention that every Wednesday uh, we have um, either a Clubhouse session or um, an Insta um, live session where you can also um, pop in and uh, ask us questions um, in Insta Live with a chat function. Um, in Clubhouse, you can just um, listen to our discussions. And uh, if you uh, are eager to to speak to us during the Clubhouse session, we are more than happy to invite you on stage and also ask your questions directly. And we are more than happy actually to to answer all your questions during these two uh, interesting actually uh, um, sessions that we also have on Clubhouse and on um, Instagram. Yes, that's very true. Yes, so I think uh, that's pretty much it for today. Mm -hmm. Good, fantastic. With this, thank you all very much and goodbye. Yes, and thank you for my end as well and have a great day. Take care. I once had a very interesting conversation with two friends of mine. One is from California and one is from Germany. And we were talking about losing your driving license. And the Californian said, in Germany, what had happened if you lost your license and then you, you know, drove your car? And the German said, no, you cannot do this. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I know, but what if, you know, I know you're not supposed to, but what if you, what if you did? He says, no, uh, you cannot drive, you have no license. <laughs> and the Californian went, yeah, man, but, you know, late one night you just... Hell, you go for a drive. And the general went, it is impossible to drive without a license! <laughs>